Welcome to the Roundtable Men's Edition. Uh, today is going to be a part one of a part two uh, interview that we have with Graham Wright. Graham comes on the episode today to discuss uh, his background in uh, overcoming sex addiction. And so we just want you to know that there are some mature themes uh, in this episode uh, dealing with that topic. And so, uh, man, it just tells a story and a story of redemption, uh, being from a dark place, going to God, redeeming uh, his marriage and redeeming uh, that area of his life. And so we really encourage uh, you to take a listen and take it seriously, but uh, wait for next week. We bring him back on the episode and ask him some questions. And so we hope this episode is helpful to you. This is Graham Wright, and this is my story. Yeah, one of the, I mean, right now, one of, like, this is very quickly becoming one of my favorite things. And I think it's because it's so great to sit down with other guys and see parallels in my own life to some things that are happening in theirs and mm-hmm. what, you know, there's so many shared experiences to different degrees that all of us have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So doing doing these episodes is, yeah. Yep. I don't want to say it's, it's going to be great for whenever it goes out. Yeah. But yeah. also just for the three of us right to now, hear all these stories. It's, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. a huge blessing. Yeah. yeah. This is very quickly becoming my favorite thing right now. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, um, welcome back to uh, the. Uh, Roundtable Men's Edition. And uh, this has been really cool. Uh, as you kind of heard in the intro, um, Scott share uh, a little bit about this is becoming uh, a favorite thing of ours uh, to be able to sit down with guys and hear their story and how God has um, entered uh, their, their, their timeline of life <laughs> and shown up in big ways. And uh, it's just been really encouraging. Uh, if this is your first time discovering uh, the Roundtable Men's Edition, we would encourage you to go back and listen to some previous stories that have been shared. Um, and we try to put what the subject is in the title. And so it's easy uh, to find, but uh, per, per usual, uh, Shad is sitting to my left and Scott is sitting to my right. And uh, just want to hear from you guys real quick, a little bit about what Scott was saying, Shad, just about what you've been feeling over the last couple of stories we've been hearing and, and what's been encouraging to you. I, I think God's grace is so awesome. Mm-hmm. It's also, as you know, we overlook a lot of times we say grace, but mercy too. You know, we, we as, as Christians, we're born again, right? And we're, we're new and we're new in him and, and we're now his adopted children. And even when we do that, we feel like everything's gonna be easy now. We're mm-hmm. Christians, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I see Joey Ryder. He's got life all figured out. He's perfect, right? <laughs> and we know that's not true. And and we know that we still struggle with sin as mm-hmm. as as Christians. And God's mercy is so awesome, and He uses that that mercy to sanctify us, right? Mm-hmm. To make us more of a reflection of Him. And that's why I love these stories because they're so redeeming, mm-hmm. right? And He's still working on me. <laughs> You know, he's still working on all of us, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and so these stories are awesome because like you said, Scott, this is becoming my favorite thing to, to do, my, what I'm passionate about because you hear God's victory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's no one else's victory other than his. Mm. I didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. Yeah. You just trusted God, yeah, right? And you yeah. said, God, I need you. And you and you surrendered. It's, it's Instead of holding tight to something, you're letting loose and you're holding tight to God. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love these stories. this time so much. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, grateful grateful for this and grateful for Graham Wright who is joining us today. Graham, thanks for being on here with us. Um, And uh, what we do around here is we just uh, share our our stories and you're gonna share your story and uh, we'll interrupt you with some questions along the way. Uh, But the microphone is yours. Cool. Well, guys, thanks for having me. Um, You know, uh, Shad, you were talking about mercy. I think that the interesting thing is the patience. That's kind of what comes to mind, yeah. how patient our father is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, 
Um, when I think about my story, it's the story of God being merciful and patient mm-hmm. with this lug nut center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> and so, so my story starts. Are we twins? <laughs> you got a lot more hair than I do. I'm not envious at all whatsoever. But uh, so my story starts um, with the fact that I was uh, raised in Houston by two um, parents that genuinely loved us kiddos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of seven, so I've got three older sisters two younger brothers and a younger sister. And that created its own dynamic within our family. Um, My mom, uh, she felt that she needed to focus on my older sisters. And so, uh, you know, we really come from, I would say more of a rigid religious background. And I think that's important because when you think about something of that nature, my parents, without question, loved us, and they they um, they they knew how to parent us based on their parents. My father's dad passed away when he was fifteen, and uh, my grandmother was remarried three more times. Or pardon me, two more times. Mm. And the last time, my dad had to run the third guy off because mm. he was beating her. Mm. Uh, my 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 mom's father was a very um, rigid engineer who had no patience and, and really no kindness in many ways. And so they knew how to parent based on the way they were parenting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, laying the ground floor, there's no question my parents loved us. But when we would mess up as children, we would be punished with um, with a spanking, which, was, which is what us boys needed, without question. <laughs> Probably more than what we got. Yeah. Um, but then we would also be punished with, I would say, scripture. Right, mm-hmm. so you need to go write three chapters of this. Mm-hmm. You need to go memorize that. And so growing up, God was important to us, but it was also used from a punishment standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, at a young age, uh, there was this written law in our family that we had to respect <laughs> our parents. And there was kind of an unquestioning respect. We do this because I'm mom. We do this because I'm dad. You know, just do it. Uh, and the unwritten law was that to a certain extent, they didn't respect the authorities above them. Mm. And we saw that in holidays. We saw that in even going to church on Sunday mornings. Uh, you know, my dad would, my dad's, his thing was, look, if, if, if you're on time, you're late and, and you know, on time would be 15 minutes early. That's, mm. that's my dad. Mm. My mom is on time is like 45 minutes late to everything. <laughs> so this thing, you've got to obey me because I'm your mom. But when it comes to church, if we got to church, you know, 30 minutes into service, we were doing good. I can remember heading to church on Sunday morning and my my dad was like, I'm not going in. And there's 10 minutes left of church, right? Mm -hmm. And so remember, there's a whole bunch of us. (laughs) And and we kind of went to a small church growing up. And so the only place that was open was the front row. Mm. So it's an event. Y'all walking in is an event. Bingo. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So here comes mama and all her ducklings. And and all of our heads are down except for mom. She's kind of trotting in. And it's like 10 minutes left in service. Mm. Small church. Mm. And so... You know, it was this, you've got to respect me because I'm mom, but I don't really respect other people and, and, and what's appropriate and respect even like the, the pastor and interrupting him during a sermon. Mm. So um, fast forward a few years, um, we were always late to baseball, to martial arts, to, to sporting events, and then we were disciplined for that. And so at an early age, I grew a resentment towards my mom. Mm for that. And again, being that this, you have this religious, this strong, rigid religious background, it was very conflicted. Um, so I, I learned to, to um, 
have anxiety around my mom. Uh, and again, sh- there's no question she loved us. She just didn't know how to to manage her boys, to, to care for her boys. We saw the blow-ups at home, right? We saw, you know, again, around the holidays, if we're supposed to be leaving to go somewhere at, call 11 o'clock, well, you know, at 11.45, we're still cooking, trying to get ready to leave. And my dad's fuming, and my mom is, you know, uh, here, Marvin, do this. Doesn't do what exactly the way she wants it. She'd take it away from him. And so we'd see the blow-ups, but then they would reconcile mm. their blowups behind closed doors. And so we didn't see the, the, the reconciliation. We didn't see the apologies. That was not example to, to us of, hey, look, son, daughters, whatever, you know, what I did was wrong. And, mm. and I'm sorry about that. I should not have, I shouldn't have jumped at your mom. I shouldn't have said that to your mom, period. Mm. Much less in front of you guys. Will you forgive me? Or vice versa. So we, so as a family unit, we saw the blowups. We didn't see the reconciliation. Therefore, we didn't really learn how to reconcile well growing up. And I think we see that in our family, in our family dynamics, even to this day, mm. within my siblings. So probably somewhere in the mid '80s, uh, in this desire to kind of prove myself to my mom, uh, I would say, and this sounds really weird. Uh, but you know, to not not okay. So let me back up. Not necessarily to prove myself, but to get approval from her. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that yeah, way, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to feel a kindness from from a parental type person. Um, in the medicating of that, I turn I, I turned to the old Sears and Roebuck magazine and started looking at the women's underwear section, and the sin inside of me started coming out. Mm-hmm. You know that Paul talked about that in, in, in Romans chapter seven where this, this war that wages between the good that I know that I want to do and the flesh you know, that I hate, that's the thing I continue to do, the mm-hmm. thing that I hate. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and he talks about being a wretched man. You know, who will save me from this body of death? You got to throw 8-1 in there because you can't, you, can't you can't leave it at that point in time, right? Paul then goes on and says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So there's redemption there. So <clears throat> in the early to mid-80s, I started looking at... Um, women's underwear, and really connecting. Uh, remember, we got three older sisters. And so they started, as they were growing older, they started having their own older girl magazines coming to the house. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and there would be many of them coming in. So who would, who would ever not see one missing? Mm-hmm. So I'd peel one off here, peel one off there. And, and, um, and started experiencing this feeling towards a female that all of us, you know, feel. Well, that started becoming a medicating thing for me. I, you know, I was able to kind of pull away into the bathroom and 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 look over, and, and the curiosity was palpable, right? Um, and and I started I started looking more at for me that was pornography back in the day, mm-hmm. and so I mean, you know. You didn't have the internet mm-hmm. back in the late 80s, early 90s, right? So that wasn't around, but uh, um, but there were plenty of magazines coming into our house that were just as bad. Mm-hmm. So when you're when you're doing this, right? Did you and you had a very disciplinarian father and mother? It sounded like mm-hmm. yeah, right. more mother than father. But yep, yeah, more. Yeah. Were you ever fearful? Like like I mean, if they if I got caught, you know, like what would happen? You know, did that ever cross your mind or not really? Um, not at that time. Yeah. Um, I always thought I was smarter, yeah, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah, than, yeah. than most other people. Right. I think that's part of my, 
yeah. any addict's problem, yeah. right? Is we're right. smarter, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we're better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I can remember babysitting at a young age for friends and going into that mother's underwear drawer, right? Right, and 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 uh, and just being fascinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, there was definitely a fear there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the excitement over you know you know the the the, the flesh that I yeah, don't yeah. want to do is the right. thing I keep doing. Right, right. And I don't want to jump ahead too far because that's interesting. You went from a magazine to then the boundary kept absolutely going further and further and further. Kept moving. Or you think it's, and again, we're getting ahead of it probably, but like you start with one thing and it just kind of continues to grow into more and more things. Yeah. Well, that's James, right? Mm -hmm. When you look at James 115, it talks about, you know, desire. You know, gives, brings forth sin, and then mm-hmm. sin, when it's fully conceived or fully birthed, right, it mm-hmm. brings forth death and destruction. Yeah, right. That that you don't go from, you know, you don't go from a desire to full blown destruction mm-hmm. in one yeah. leap. Right, right. It's it's you know what I call creep. It, it mm-hmm. slowly moves that direction, right. and and enough's not enough. Enough's yeah. not enough, and so yeah. it continually grows. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So much so that in my teens, I'm, I'm looking at a lot more magazines, uh, starting to date girls and pushing them to physical relationships that they may that they didn't want. Let me mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, was very heavily involved in our youth ministry. Uh, was leading, you know, um, Sunday morning studies for middle school as a high schooler. Um, <laughs> Uh, was I was tricky enough to to you know I looked good enough I was polished enough that I, even in high school late you know my senior year I had a mom call me it's like hey look I got three two daughters I'm mm. really interested in you being interested in mm. and because um, it was just straight up a facade mm. right right are you walking to church and hey how are you doing man I, I can't uh, how much better could I be mm. and so um, finished high school I'm teaching martial arts. Uh, end up moving to Austin, and and in 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 that wake, uh, from even middle, you know, kind of early in high school to late in high school, I've probably been through three different females at that point in time, and had not had, uh, uh, I would say, physical sex yet. But we really pushed the boundaries in many different ways. Mm. Moved to Austin for the camping ministry and still I'm a wreck. I'm medicating, looking at pornography, self-medicating, looking at pornography. And um, uh, if you don't know what self-medicating means, masturbating. Mm-hmm. Right, just, yeah. just so we're all on yeah. the same page. Right, right, right. Uh, so I'm in Austin. I'm at a Christian camp as an intern. And... Uh, and I was asked to be a youth pastor at that point in time at a church here in Austin. And, and uh, you know, I love kids. I love youth. Uh, it's what I was involved in in Houston. I'm at a camp as, a, as an intern there doing, doing ministry there. And so I took on this part-time youth ministry position. Still fully engulfed in my own personal sin and just have this facade. Um, and, and, and the interesting thing is I, 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 I asked God many times over the years, would you take this from me? Mm. Yeah, I even turned to my youth pastor on point time. Said, "Man, I can't, I can't stop thinking about this." So I said, I'm praying about it. I'm thinking about it, and then I stop praying, and all I'm doing is thinking about it. Mm-hmm. He said, "Yeah, it's kind of tough." And again, remember this is uh, kind of early '90s, and he's like, "Yeah, you just gotta just don't think about it." Yeah, that was his recommendation. Just don't think about it. Right. So you are at this time then starting to to have that con- internal conflict, you know, the grieving the Holy Spirit, you know, oh, absolutely. so you're, you're a yo-yo. Oh, absolutely. Been mm-hmm. there, done that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. During this time when you're asking God to take this away, because you're fully aware of what's going on, you know it's not good for you at the time. Were you feeling like frustrated spiritually 
that it wasn't being taken away when you were asking for it to be? Uh, uh, yes. Yes. Do I feel like I was angry with God? No. Or frustrated mm-hmm. with God? No. Mm-hmm. I would just say that I was more... I knew what I was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. There's no question in my mind. I knew that I didn't necessarily want to. But there was always this thought probably later in my teens, that when I got married, it would just go away, mm-hmm. right? That this desire, because remember, remember it started uh, it, you know, as, with the women's underwear section. And so that's kind of, that's what imprinted on me at a young age. That's what became my arousal template in many ways. And so my thinking was, well, when I got married, you know, I'd be able to look at my wife as much as I want, mm-hmm. right? I'd be able to have as much sex as I want. And because I equated my what I didn't know was an addiction back then mm. with really women in, in underwear. Um, uh, I just equated that with this is just what it is. So when when it's around me all the time, I'm going to be fine. I did not understand, though, that it was not about the women in underwear. I did mm-hmm. not understand that it was not about uh, any of that. It was about the way I had started learning to medicate my wounds. Mm. Right, that when something bad would happen at home, that's what I would turn to. Mm. When something stressful would happen, that's you know, that's because because you got to remember when you're looking at, at a magazine or or a website, right, or um, you know, uh, a show for that matter, uh, the person that's on there always has a smile on their face, right? They're always very inviting. They 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 want you to buy into this euphoria of sin. They don't see it that way, but that's what it is. Yeah, right. They never tell you no. They never tell you you're a bad person. They never tell you you're gross. They always let you do whatever they want. And they invite you back time and time and time and time again because they're always there, yeah. right? Mm. Whereas when you go home and why didn't you do this? What's mm. the issue? What's mm. the problem? Mm. You know, there's, there's this, there, there, you don't have the same feeling there. Right? Mm. When life gets hard and you have a bad review, right, at work or whatever, well, I want to feel good again about myself. I don't want to feel bad about myself. So the easiest way to go feel good yeah. about myself is to go over here where everybody's inviting me to do whatever I want. And what you're talking about right now is such, uh, I, 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 mean, I hate to use this adjective, good breakdown of what's going on internally. Absolutely. Um, that I don't think even men are conscious that it's yeah. happening within them. Yeah. It's just reactionary. It's it's physiological. It's, it's like... Uh, Oh, it's like the it's like the experiments with the rats, you know, or whatever. It's like, oh, good over here, bad over here, good over here, bad over here, and it's it's just flip flopped mm-hmm. from a world's economy to God's economy. You know, what's good is to um, deny one's flesh and you know kill sin and run towards spiritual, emotional, mental health within your family unit. And yet, what you're saying is the world flips the opposite. Oh Absolutely. yeah, just go run towards the flesh and ignore the real things that you need to be getting in order. Well, another thing too is you hear this misused all the time and you correct me if I'm wrong, but you hear people say, God God doesn't give you more than you can handle. No, Mm. he gives you more than you can handle all the time. Mm. So you Mm -hmm. get down on your knees and finally, Mm. Mm. it's he doesn't tempt you with more than you can handle with sin, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I I forget what verse that is. Mm -hmm. And that's where I would struggle with this, you know, when I was struggling like you were, because I'm like, well, it's everywhere. Right, mm-hmm. you know, but I, he does give a way out, and that's what you know. I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> it, it is true that I, I I just wanted to reinforce it. Don't ever believe that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. He 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 does. So you get on yeah. your knees. Well, I think, and not to interrupt your story here, Graham, but I think right now, what I think, if someone, if a guy, guys listening to this. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. As a guy listens to this and struggles, yeah. <laughs> not if, because we, we all agree that we do, there's a little bit of a lie that says, oh, well, we can never 
Absolutely. Like, I I wonder where this conversation's going because I don't think it's even possible. Um, We should just deal with it and Christianity should change or expectations should change uh, from God because the reality is because Shad just said it's everywhere, therefore, so what? Well, you know, even even more so, Joey, I think that you see see even these, some of these, quote unquote Christian um, speakers that will talk about how masturbation is not a sin, right? That, that um, the self-pleasure is not a sin. But when you look at Genesis, you know, when, when it talks about a man leaving his father and mother and a woman leaving her father and mother and coming together, cleaving and becoming one, mm-hmm. he created sex, he created intimacy mm-hmm. for a husband and a wife, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. He didn't create it to to self pleasure, mm-hmm. right? That's not what he did. And I would I would argue the fact that um, my intimacy life with my wife exponentially grew mm. when I did not have the garbage mm. of the visuals of the thoughts that were flooding my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So, well, so hang so back to moving, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, some youth pastoring. Still living this life of this lie, this facade, and uh, 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 started getting real physical with some other other females, and uh, for their sake, I'll just kind of leave it at that. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I get caught <clears throat> um, by my pastor's wife in the back of my car with a girl with her shirt off, mm. uh, and <clears throat> it was uh, <laughs> you know sin takes you sin always takes you farther than what you want to go and it always costs you more than what you want to pay. Mm. Always. And so when you think about something like this, would I ever think that as a youth pastor, I'd be caught in the back of my car with a girl with her top off with from my senior pastor's wife? Mm. No, but I did nothing to stop it. Mm. So fast forward, I end up leaving youth ministry um, not because of that, because of, of other things. <clears throat> and the physical nature just starts getting larger and larger in my life. Um, and ended up having an affair with a married woman um, uh, in my early 20s with children. And they kind of started calling me dad. And I felt, I felt like a really big dude, mm. right? Uh, I always wanted to be a dad. I've always wanted to be a dad. And uh, now not only have I... <laughs> kind of consecrated this relationship with this woman, right? But she's got kids and it's feeding into everything. And so I decided I need to move back to Houston, I need to get a real job and, and really to learn how to provide for this person and, and their family. Come back and uh, living with mom and dad, working on kind of setting some things up and uh, end up feeling like I need to tell them what's going on because I'm going to be the man and I'm going to take care of this family, right? And they're like, yeah, well, obviously I broke their hearts, mm. you know, as I sat down and told them. And uh, they said, before you do anything stupid, you need to double check and make sure that this isn't a lie uh, and that uh, that this she's, she's actually pregnant, so forth and so on, because she'd come back and say, oh, by the way, uh, I'm pregnant. Mm. So now, game on. Uh, I'm a young, dumb kid, and my sin has caught up with me. Uh, she says I'm pregnant, and my, you know now I've, I've got to do something. So... That ended up being a lie. She 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 was she was not pregnant, and thank thank the Lord for that. My parents were able to kind of rein me in and say, mm. <laughs> "Just take a beat here, right? Mm. Just just mm. breathe a little bit. Let's How just see." How old were you at this time? Uh, I was um, I was twenty two. Okay. Yeah, 
Yeah. And she was about 14 years older than me with three children and supposedly this other one coming. Mm. So scary in many ways, but it kind of fed into my ego. Mm. My ego was always, I always wanted to have a family. And again, you know, I can overcome this. I can take care of this. You know, the crazy thing about this is that during this time, the biggest guilt I had was towards a female friend of mine that I had known for approximately three to four months. Mm. She and I had become pretty good friends. And, um, and I don't know why that was. Uh, well, I mean, I do know why that is today, right? But at the time, I didn't know why that was. Uh, but I, my biggest guilt towards anybody was towards her. It was odd. So I had called her up after we realized that this woman wasn't pregnant and that, that, uh, that I, was, I, was, I was no longer part of this relationship. I was out of this relationship. And I called her and I apologized. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't feel like I necessarily need to biblically to do this, but I feel like I need to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Well, fast forward um, two years and that same female and I are getting married. Uh, Kristen is my wife and, and she, was, she and I were just friends at the time. Mm. And uh, about a year after that, uh, the Lord just started drawing our hearts together. Mm. Uh, I was no longer in a relationship, but I was still struggling um, sexually uh, with my addiction. And she knew some of what was going on. She obviously knew about the the affair because I had told her about that. Mm. And she had forgiven me of that back then. Uh, some things in her life had changed. Some things in my life had changed. And so I'm in Houston. She's in Austin. We're kind of starting to do this, kind of this long distance thing. And with that, we already knew each other. We had already been friends for a year and a half. So it wasn't this, hey, who are you? Mm. And what do you think, right? She is uh, an amazing woman, godly woman. And... Uh, so again, it wasn't this, hey, let's, let's date and find out who we are. Uh, so one weekend we got together to actually hook up a couple of our other friends. That didn't go over so well, but we hooked up, <laughs> you know, uh, just as, 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 as a friend. But then, uh, but then during that weekend, we spent hours and hours and hours talking about kind of who really are you? What are your, what, what, what do you want out of life? How many children, I mean, what is, tell me, you know, kind of who are you? Uh, in Nacho Libre, you know, Nacho says, who is this Encarnacion, <laughs> right? And so, who is this Christian? Um, <laughs> and uh, we really loved who we, who we were mm. during that weekend. We found that out. And so, we decided, like, let's, let's, let's figure out what this looks like. And um, I tried to do this one the right way. Mm. And so, I said, look, I really... We know each other. Where's this leading? Let's let's kind of be intentional about this. And so I called her father and said, "Look, I you know I really want to. I know your daughter, uh, but I want to. I really want to be intentional about this next period of time. And I want you to know that that's what we're what we're doing. We want to be intentional here. That we're doing this for the investigation of marriage." not just to see, do we like each other? Because we know we're friends. Mm-hmm. We know we're close friends. So he's like, I don't know you, but okay, whatever. I trust my daughter. Um, and he's a, pe- he's a preacher. He grew mm-hmm. up preaching. And so I needed to show him that respect and, and felt like, an, you know, that was what he deserved in my mother-in-law. So bottom line, um, we courted for three or four months. We got engaged. We were married the following May. And again, I thought all oh, this was just gonna stop. Mm-hmm. Well, within about 30, 45 days, She's laying there potentially after we had just had a relationship, an intimate relationship, and I'm sitting there watching something on TV, masturbating mm-hmm. next to her in bed, mm-hmm. and it doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, fast forward into our relationship six years, 
uh, I'm manipulating her. She knows something's not right, mm-hmm. right? Something can't be right because I've got this husband that's really not uh, emotionally as intimate with me as, as I feel like he should be. Mm-hmm. I'm working a lot. I'm at the office late all the time, mm-hmm. right? I'm coming up with reasons to be at the office to, to feed my addiction. Mm-hmm. I'll, I might do five minutes of work and I might do two or three hours worth of, of, of searching, mm. right? Because now the internet's in full-fledged and you don't have to pay a penny mm. to find whatever you want to find on the internet mm. if you know what you're doing. So she knows something's wrong. Our relationship is really going at, at opposite ends. We have a little girl. My fear is that if my wife really knows me, right? If she really finds out who I am, she's going to leave me. She's going to hate me and she's going to leave me. And therefore, I can never really get close enough to her because if I get close enough, she's going to start to smell the stench coming mm-hmm. off of me, mm-hmm. right? And so we argue more. My anger is uh, is uncontrollable in many ways, and uh, and and do you you become a professional liar? You become a professional manipulator, and and I'm not saying that as an egotistical thing. I'm saying that really as a very sad thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, at some point in time, I finally talked her into going to counseling. And she said, fine, Graham, I'll go to counseling, but only if you go with me. Mm. Now, <clears throat> remember I was kind of begging and pleading with God in my yeah. teens and in my early 20s to take this from me. I knew what I was doing was wrong. That never went away. My desire, though, grew and grew and grew. And it started becoming, it went from sin to now starting to create death in my relationship mm. with my wife. Yeah. Right? I'm not seeing my daughter as much as I should because I'm doing all this stuff over here. I'm forsaking all others for my personal sinful desire. Because mm. sin at its core is extreme selfishness. Did you find yourself making like cheap excuses? Oh, all this time? the time. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And my biggest excuse was work. Mm-hmm. I think most men's biggest excuse is work, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, I've got to work. I've got to go do this. So that was my biggest cheap excuse. But <clears throat> Kristen never came out and asked me, are you having an affair? Even if she had, I would have told her, no, I'm not. Because mm. as guys, we compartmentalize this, mm. right? It's not an affair. Mm. But what, what does the word of God say? If you lust after a woman in your heart, mm-hmm. right, it's just as good. Mm-hmm. If you hate your brother in your heart, it's just as good as murder. And so um, so she says, fine, I'll go. But you're going to go with me. And it's kind of this sigh of relief. I knew that this was coming to an end because I really, I, again, I know the good that's in me that I want to do, but the, 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 the flesh, the thing that I hate is what I continue to do. I'm saying, okay, that's coming to an end. I'm not in ministry at this point in time. Uh, I'm not happy with where I am. So I sit down with, uh, so we decided to do couples therapy, couples counseling, and I finally sit down with um, one of our pastors here at the Ridge. We had lunch, and uh, we're sitting there talking. Uh, Matt Freeman, love the Freemans. He and I are sitting there talking, and, and we're just chit-chatting. He goes, well, man, what's going on? How are you? What's, you know, what's, what's new in your life? Mm. And I'm like, you know, uh, mm, I'm hauling around like, you know, I just need to, I just need to tell you what's going on because I don't know how to fix it. Mm. And I shared with him basically, you know, an abbreviated story of what I just told you guys. And he said, you know, he said, dude, you're you're not the only guy mm. that deals with this. And he told me his personal story. Mm. And uh, uh, that's somebody you guys need to have on this podcast mm. when he's here. Mm. Fantastic. Nevertheless, he said, I got a guy I want you to talk to. And um, I think that you will really enjoy this conversation. And going back to the hope that you were talking about earlier, Shad, there's hope to live a life free of this. Mm-hmm. He said, I know because I had an alcohol addiction and I live a life free of my addiction mm-hmm. as wow. well. Yeah. So I sit down and talk to this guy. We'll call him Ben. 
uh, Ben and I talked for about you know 30 minutes and he finally asked me this question. He says, Graham, do you feel like you're in control of your life? Hmm. Simple question. Do you feel like you're in control of your life? And I'm sitting there going, I'm, t- I'm kind of ticking through the things. Okay, I'm married. I've got a child. I've got a business. We've got a decent bank account. Yeah, I'm in control of my life. I'm <laughs> successful. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that. I didn't ask you, are you successful? Mm. And that could be argued, but do you really feel like you're in control of your life? And I come back with a yes. I feel like I'm in control of my life. He goes, okay, then just stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second here, Ben. Come on, man. It's like, you, what you're saying is I'm not in control of my life because I've got you know, an issue with looking at pornography and masturbating. He's like, well, no, you just told me you're in control of your life. I'm not saying anything. You just said it. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said, you just said you're in control of your life because if you're in control of your life, just stop. You say you want to be done with it, just stop. Mm-hmm. And so we, 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 we grapple with this, this theory for the next 15 minutes and I realized what he was talking about, that my life had become unmanageable mm-hmm. and that I could not stop. And, and, and now, you know, this was 13 years ago. 13 years later, I'm able to look back and see how this addiction had truly permeated into every aspect of my life. Yeah. And it had distorted my view of not just my relationship with God, but my relationship with everyone around me. Mm-hmm. Because the only person that became important in my life was me. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, again, forsake everybody else for my own desire, for my own want. And I was sacrificing my family for it. Mm. So I was like, all right, checkmate. You got me. Yeah. He said, okay. He said, if you feel like the only place you can go is up, if you really feel like you have a problem, like it's not just something that you deal with that, you know, because again, as guys, we just kind of, hey, look, you know, everybody deals with this. Yeah, yeah, right. It's normal. It's natural. I hated that response, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hated it. Oh, dude, everybody's yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Okay, but I'm not called to be everybody. I'm called to be this, you know, the light, right? That's that's not it's not covered up. Mm-hmm. A city on a hill that can't be, you know, hidden. And so, <clears throat> checkmate. He's got me. I'm like, all right, I get it. I see it. He said, okay. He said, then I think we can do something for you. He said, we've got this men's thing that uh, this recovery program that I would think you'd be that that we would benefit from you, and I think you'd benefit from us mm-hmm. doing this. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, I'm not in any kind of ministry right now. At all, mm. and, and my my, fo- my in laws live with us right now, and he's a, again a former pastor, right. right? And so he said he he invited me to this this men's program, and it was on a Tuesday night, and it was like Tuesday that I was talking to him. So he said, "Just come tonight." And so I'm sitting there going, "How am I going to figure this one out? Mm-hmm. If I go home and say, hey, 'Hey, I'm going to go to this men's Bible study,' my father in law is going to jump in my truck and be like, let's go.' Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that can't happen, right? And uh, and, and on Thursday. We're gonna have our first couples therapy lesson. And and I knew that again, this 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 string of lies, this life of lies for many, many, many years was coming to a halt. Mm. And in many ways I was I was excited for it and kind of ready for it because I was tired of lying, I was tired of deceiving. I knew the good in me that I wanted to do and the bad is what kept happening. So I went home that Tuesday night. It was dark, it was rainy. And I said, you know, Chris and I are not doing well. We're really at, at odds with each other. And I said, hey, I need, to, I, need to, I need to talk to you and we need to kind of take a drive. She said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm cooking dinner, no. I said, I really need to talk to you. I need to do something tonight and, and I, I need to, to tell you what's going on. So begrudgingly, she kind of handed things off to her mom and, uh, and hopped in the truck and, and we went for a ride and we stopped and, and uh, tearfully, I, I told her everything. Mm at that point in time. And uh, she has such grace. Mm-hmm. 
it hurt her. Mm-hmm. She was crying. She was asking why. Um, was I not enough? Mm. And all those fears that then roll into her, I just took the monkey off my back and I just threw mm. it at her. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I knew what I had been dealing with for, for, for you know, 20 years, 25, 30 years. And I knew what I didn't want to, I knew that I didn't want to deal with that. And in that moment of relief for me, she took on that burden and just, in, and again, in many ways, it, it, it answered some of the questions that she had because she knew something was wrong. Mm. But I manipulated that so much over the years that she started questioning the Holy Spirit inside of her that was saying, you know, Kristen, this isn't right. You need to press in. But I just twisted and I, I abused her emotionally in many ways. Mm. Um, we went home. I went to that group meeting that night and that was the first, 13 years ago, that was the first meeting that, um, that started this process of, of hope and healing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was two and a half years sober from my addiction, my sex addiction, and uh, kind of pulled back from the, the ministry that I was in at that point in time. Uh, we had some some great successes within our business and just felt like life was good and, and I didn't need to do certain things anymore because I was okay. I'm mm-hmm. good. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good. And in no time, I was I was acting out again. In mm-hmm. no time, I was I had relapsed. And, and, and the thing to know about, a, a, about any kind of addiction is it doesn't take one step back, mm-hmm. right? I don't go back, you know, well, I'm going to just look at porn one time over the next six months. <laughs> right? Because right? what, what, what the addictive brain in you goes to is what have you missed over the last two and a half years? Mm-hmm. Holy smokes, think about all the new stuff that's out there. Mm. And so you do a deep dive. It's not one step back. Yeah. So, so I'm, I am back in the throes of this thing. And Kristen starts to see the signs. Mm-hmm. Because so now she sees me for the first time during this two and a half years of being present, mm. of being honest of not worrying about where's my cell phone, where's my tablet, where's my laptop, what, you know, I'm just as good as my last elite, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm starting to pay attention to my phone a lot more, to my tablet a lot more. I'm taking it with me everywhere. I'm not letting it out of my hands. And she's going, something's not right. Mm-hmm. She confronted me, hey, how are things going? Not good. She's like, I can tell. I need you to stop because you're hurting me. Mm-hmm. I'm on it, I'm on it. Nothing changes mm-hmm. for about... Let me think about this. About a year and a half, two years. And finally, she sees it again. She says, I get better at hiding it, mm-hmm. right? My daughter's in Houston. We're on our way back from, from the holidays. And she asked me on the way back, hey, how are things going? And that was a very uncomfortable ride <laughs> from mm-hmm. Houston to Austin. Mm-hmm. She said, you got to get back into recovery. You got you to get honest again. Mm-hmm. Because, honey, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. This is too much. Mm-hmm. And you're not the person that God's called you to be. Mm. You're not leading our family well. Okay, checkmate again. So I go back into a recovery program. One of the guys in my life group was like, dude, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. We go back into a life group. We're doing this life group, I mean, this uh, recovery program. And, um, and guys have some really good synergy there. Things are going really well. You know, our care pastor reaches out to us here at the Ridge and says, hey, look, we're starting a program. We want you to be a part of it. You know, and so in, in January of 16, we started a program here at the Ridge uh, for men that have um, 
struggle with pornography and sex addiction or sex bondage, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so, man, it's been it's been amazing, and I'd love to say that it's it's uh, it's been a hundred percent. We adopted some kiddos back in 2017 from China, and and in our in our mind's eye, this was going to be an amazing thing, and, and it has been nothing but the best thing that's ever happened to us besides our other daughter in Christ. One of the things that God likes to do, and Brad talks about this, right, is, you know, God, God, you know, when you get married, you take two sinners and they become, you know, in the same household and your sin multiplies, right? And so you take two kiddos from another country that don't speak your language, that don't know what it means to have a mommy and daddy, uh, that don't understand what minding means about doing what you ask them to do. And you take the selfishness and again, you amplify that. And so now I've got these kids that are home, and I love them dearly, but my selfishness is just, it's overwhelming. And God's, again, taking me through this process of breaking me. Well, in that, I started acting out again. Because mm. I just couldn't, I, I, I wasn't known. Even though I was in this ministry, I still was not known to other men. And I had this facade. And that went on for a short period of time. And finally, um, God just said, look, man, you, you, this is enough. And and I'm you got to be done with this, and and sobriety has been there for a number of years now, mm-hmm. um, probably late 2017 to now, mm-hmm. and so the thing that I have come away with uh, with leading this ministry here at the Ridge is that I'm one dumb mistake away from blowing it, and and literally I'm on the edge every single day. I'm not saying that because I'm sitting there looking at women all day long, mm-hmm. and I'm and, I, and I'm, I'm sweating and I'm white knuckling. I think what's different now versus before is I, I really I, I understand the why now more today than ever before. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the questions that a lot of guys have, or they don't even really question it. You know, it's just kind of it's just what I do, right? You were talking about Joe. You were talking about this. It just kind of becomes normal, mm-hmm. right? And 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 Christianity needs to convert to kind of the world. Mm. Uh, and I think that just Christian guys just don't even think about it mm. in most respects. It's just because that's what I grew up with, and that's what makes me feel good in bad situations. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just a part of my life, and I don't ever know that it can go away. But here's what you also don't know. Here's what I didn't know is how amazing it is to have relationships that have no strings attached. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's you know, I've got men in my life that fully know me. And and that still love and care for me. Yeah. yeah. There's no better snapshot of the gospel than to be fully known in all of your muck and mire and Absolutely. still be loved. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, so thank you for sharing your story. Um, I, I think this is an area, particularly in Christianity, that brings so much shame. Yes. I, and I, I don't know that there's many topics that bring the amount of shame that this one does. Um, and so I guess my question for you, I want to tee up, is how are you able to sit here behind a microphone and share as openly as you have? Like, what about your faith allows you to to do that? Because it's not about me, <laughs> right? I mean, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and for those that are called according to his purpose, mm. right? I, I didn't do this in my own strength. Because mm. remember, in my own strength, I should have been able to just stop, right? Mm. Am I in control of my life? Yeah, well, then just stop. Mm. <clears throat> In my weakness, the Lord's power was made perfect, mm. and only He could overcome this. Mm. And so, it's not about me. This is this is His story, mm. and and He is the only one that is able to restore us yeah. back to Him. Mm. 
because we want to be like that one. You know, he's watching the 99 and we're that little one that's running off. Mm. And he leaves the 99 and he, and he pursues the one and he brings them back. Mm. And so I was the one mm. and he left and he pursued me. Yeah. Man, I love that because giving honor and glory where it's due, you know, this story of, of you falling time and time again, actually, mm. um, and God continue to pursue is the hope that we hope you hear as you listen to this, um, that you're, you're not too far gone. Um, the, the world will chew you up and spit you out and kick you to the curb. Um, but the Lord always has opened arms. Um, and so Graham, if as a guy listens to this today and he's like, but where do I begin? Where do I start? Like I hear this and I see that it's wrecking my relationships. Like the word permeate came to mind, Graham. Like I, I, I didn't know if I, I don't know if I realized until I heard your story, um, how, how evident it's true in lives when we're involved in a secret sin behind closed doors that it always shows somehow. It mm-hmm. permeates relationships, mm-hmm. it permeates work, it permeates every facet of life. And so maybe someone listened to this today and they're like, oh no, like I know I'm being found out, but I'm just not being honest with it. So what's the road, what, what's the first couple steps to a road of recovery? Acknowledge that any kind of, any, any level of sexual sin is wrong, mm. right? I mean, you don't need to take any kind of cocaine to know that cocaine's bad for you. Mm. Right, but we're like a little bit. A little bit of porn is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of compromising. You know, looking at looking at looking at people on Facebook, right, yeah. during the summertime. Yeah, ah, it's really not a big deal. I mean, it's they're wearing it. Yeah. So acknowledging that any level of compromise is wrong, mm-hmm. and that again, it affects so much. And the odds that your wife feels like something or somebody in your life feels mm-hmm. like something's off yeah. is probably pretty strong. Mm-hmm. And either they're just not wanting to address it mm. or they've addressed it and, you, and, and I've lied or I've manipulated. Mm, right. So what's the first step? The first step is acknowledging that, that, um, that something's not right in my life and that, um, and that I want to be different and that God calls me to be different. Mm. And then stepping out and saying, I need help. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I couldn't do it alone. And, and I lead many, many, many men, hundreds of men over the years and they couldn't do it on their own. Mm. And God is the one that restores us, mm. not us. Yeah. And when we understand, we grasp that any form of sin, whether it's sexual sin, whether it's alcoholism, um, uh, narcotics, gambling, work, mm. all of those are leading us away from the Father. Mm. I'm choosing to run to these things over here instead of running to him and saying, I'm, I, I don't know how to deal with this. Kristen, I don't know how to deal with this. Mm. And I'm and I'm broken around this, and I want to do. I want to live out what's in my flesh, and I need help because I don't. I don't. I know how destructive that is. Mm. And 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 the hard thing is, until you get out of that, you don't realize how destructive mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the the most critical thing you're kind of going here, and you went there, <clears throat> is how you have to have a group of men that one hundred percent alongside you. You know, when you were praying earlier, I was going to say. I was going to say, hey, additionally, just getting to know you, I mm-hmm. think Joey's such a reflection of him, but he's not him, right? Yeah. He just does a good job of loving people well, right? He, you know, you're not perfect. We all know it, uh, but he is, Jesus is, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're around men who hold you accountable and you can also be very open and transparent and they're not going to judge you, they're going to pray for you and encourage you and hold you accountable, 
that's what you need in your life. You can't go through this life alone. You need other men. This is what this is all about. Is mm-hmm. find other men, get in community, get in Austin Ridge, find ways to connect. Yeah. Because without it, you're going to have those excuses. You're going to have, you know, all these yeah. things that you justify in your head that you know are separating you from God the Father yeah. Yeah. are going to continue to rule your life. Mm. And taking that to the next step, I think you need to pursue men that are willing to call you out. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's exactly right. I call it bringing the spiritual two by four, Mm -hmm. right? That... You know, when I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I need I need the shads of my life to say, Graham, that's that's not okay. That's not right. acceptable. That's right. not right. Right. You know, those are the kind of guys I need in my life. Not the guys who are like, dude, it'll be all right. Hey, I'll pray for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, no, yeah. I need you to call me out when I'm wrong. Right, right, right. Right. Those are the guys I want to surround myself. Not with the yes men, but yeah. with the dudes that are like, you know, hey, look, you know, this the is- realist. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I care about you enough to say that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And you, I had a guy to- the, <laughs> Quickly, real years ago, um, I was talking to one of our clients is one of our, our personal friends, and he had just gotten done talking to my wife about something on the phone with with their project. And he and I were t- I called him a little bit later and was talking to him about the project. And he said, "Oh man, I just got done talking to your wife," and and it just kind of came out. I mean, I didn't think about it. But I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry about that." He's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Oh, I'm just joking." He's like, "No, but but what do you mean?" It's like, "Well, it's just kind of it was a joke." He's like, "Dude, that's your wife. Don't ever do that." Mm-hmm. You love your wife, man. You adore mm-hmm. your wife. You protect your wife. You don't make mm-hmm. jokes about her. Mm-hmm. And again, that spir- was like a spiritual six by six. And I got to tell you, initially it pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Initially it made me max. I'm like, who are you to tell me about me and my, my relationship with my wife? Mm-hmm. Right. But years later, I saw him at a Christmas party. I'm like, you don't really, you don't understand Actually. how much... <laughs> I appreciate you, the impact. How much I appreciate you saying that because you were 100% right. Yeah. Mm. I got a, my final question here is that if there's a guy that's struggling with similar situation to what you struggle with and they are afraid and ashamed mm-hmm. to bring this to the light, mm-hmm. would word of encouragement for those guys about how much different and better your life is mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that you have brought it to the light and you have gone to the Lord about it and you have gotten plugged in a community to address it constantly. It's a constant battle, but how much better your life is now from a family standpoint, professional, spiritually, how much more fulfilling is it now? Mm. So I kind of want anybody that's listening to this, men or women, to hear this. This is not something that defines you, mm-hmm. mm. right? We're defined by who we are in Christ, which we are, we are called heirs and co-heirs with Christ to the throne of heaven. That's who we are. Do we deal with this? Absolutely. Is this something that always be something that will be on guard with the rest of my life? 100%. But it does not define who I am. No. Mm. My name is in the Lamb's Book of Life and it is sealed. That's who I am, mm. right? Joe, you were asking me earlier, why can you do this? Because it's not about me. It's not about me. And so what I'd say to those guys that are, in fear, right? Not just of becoming known, but also the fear of losing this. Mm-hmm. This has become this has become your safety point for many years for a lot of us. You know, I've got guys in my program here at the Ridge that are as young as nineteen and as as old as late seventies, and everything in between, mm-hmm. and every type of sexual sin you can possibly think of, right? And the first time. <laughs> the first time you say, you know, pornography or masturbation or something like that, I mean, you can just see somebody just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, they're just kind of crumbling. Mm-hmm. And over time, as God brings freedom into their life, it becomes 
something that, again, I can say and not feel like I'm a worthless, bad person, mm-hmm. right? One of the things that we live on as addicts is I do bad things, therefore I'm a bad person. And so I view myself in many ways. Now, I may not ever say that. I may not think that, but my actions reflect that. And it keeps me isolated. It keeps me in bondage, right? And it keeps me away from those relationships because I don't want to be looked at as being a sick, perverted, nasty person, mm. right? So I can go and say at four o'clock and be like, man, I can't wait till five o'clock comes so I get that, that glass of wine. And I, and I down a bottle of wine in an hour, Nobody has an issue with that for the most mm-hmm. part. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. But that's an accepted, that's a socially accepted thing. Mm-hmm. Going at four o'clock, man, I can't wait to get off work so I can go look at porn and masturbate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, just wait. Mm-hmm. You know, are you really? Yeah. yeah. That, that doesn't, you, you would never say that. Yeah, yeah. But you would say, I can't wait to have my first beer or my first margarita, or whatever it is. Yeah. So, hey, the, the bottom line is um, freedom in the Lord is. Unbelievable. And, and that's, those are cheap words for somebody that doesn't know it. Those are cheap words because you hear that in church all the time, right? I mean, I just, hey, look, don't. And the bottom line is you don't know what you're missing until you're free of it. Because as an addict, I feel like I'm 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 sipping a mai tai on on a on a you know on a desert. I mean, on a desert on a on a you know on this beautiful beach, right? And I'm sitting there. And I'm looking up. And the sky's beautiful, and and I've got this drink, and I'm just enjoying life. And and I start smelling something, and and I realize something's off. And I kind of start looking around, and I'm not on a beach. I'm not you know I don't have a mai tai in my hand. I'm not looking at this beautiful sky. I'm I'm, I'm really I'm I'm sitting on a on a dump, mm-hmm. on a mound of dump, of trash, yeah. right? And, and I don't realize I'm sitting on this mound of trash until I start to catch wind of my own sin, right. which is the stench. Yeah. And then as I start to realize that I'm not sitting on this island and, and, and that my life is in many ways become nothing but sin, then I start realizing I gotta get off this mountain, right, of trash, and I start working my way down. And guys, I got to tell you, it gets dirty getting off this mm-hmm. mountain. It's not an easy thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you're still going to smell for a little bit. Yeah. There's, John, John, just one more yeah. thing. Yeah, but John 10, 27 was a verse that really hit me, like, hit me so hard. You know, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Yeah. I don't think you're following God when you go in to do a lot of the sin we do, right? Oh, and, no. and so, And so, and hear his voice and I follow him. And, and then how, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. It gives you mm-hmm. the desires of your heart. The, the desires of your heart are not these addictions mm. that we think they are, mm. right? But the, that that verse really opened my eyes that I want to follow him so I can get the desires of my heart, yeah. right? Mm. And it's just a lot freer. In that same vein, it's like God gave, well, Jesus came to give us an abundant life, an opportunity yeah, for an yes. abundant life, and the abundant life is in him. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I love it. Uh, Graham, thanks so much. I have, I have more questions and I'm sure guys listening have more questions, you know, and, um, I, I think I want to uh, go ahead and let them know where to find, uh, the men's sexual integrity recovery group, uh, on our website. So if you go to austinridge.org slash groups slash, and it's the initials for men's sexual integrity recovery, M S I R. So austinrich.org slash groups slash M-S-I-R. You can go there. You fill out a contact form and uh, goes to our care department, which is, uh, you know, specializes in um, confidentiality. <laughs> and yep. so you can go there and uh, you'll, you'll quickly get connected with Graham uh, and, and, and other guys that are part of that group. And we would encourage you uh, to do that. I love that your story, uh, the turn that it took started here at the Ridge and you uh, shared some things with a pastor here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm grateful that our pastoral staff is available. But what I love too is we've grown as a church where we have a men's ministry that's available. Uh, yep. We've got recovery groups like this that's available. Yep. And so just get it out to the light. It's it it just it, it hurts so good. That's right. <laughs> it hurts so good to get it out that's right. uh, into the light. So thanks, man. Thanks for sharing. Hey, thanks for letting me. Thank you, Graham. Hang out with you guys. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.